0: Hey, y'all, it's Jack Lingenfelter, and we're back with another episode of The Straws That Stir the Drinks. You can always find us on Instagram at straws that stir the drinks and my personal Instagram account, jacklingenfelter14. And it's another exciting episode of the podcast today. We are so lucky to have Dr. James Woodard, who was just recently given the position of National FFA Advisor. So we're going to ask him all about it today. So let's jump into it. Thanks for tuning in to Straws That Start the Drinks. We have us joining by phone Dr. James Woodard. Dr. Woodard, how are you?
1: I'm having a great day, Jack. Thank you very
0: much. That's awesome. So for the people who don't exactly know who you are or what you're doing today, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, I am James Woodard. I am currently serving as a school superintendent for Morgan County School System, Charter School System in Madison, Georgia. Uh, School system of about 3,000 students. Uh, I have announced my retirement uh, come the end of June and was recently selected to be the national FFA advisor. Uh, Spent a lifetime in education. Uh, Started off at Nichols High School, Uh, graduated from Abraham Baldwin Agricultural College, University of Georgia. Uh, Spent 33 years in education and very proud of the difference that we've made along the way.
0: Right. Awesome. So you've had a long history of not only education, but agriculture. And that's uh, really interesting to really dig into all the things that you've accomplished in your life. And so you were a teacher for a while and a superintendent. So how are you introduced into the ag world? Because I know you're living in South Georgia, but um, how exactly were you introduced into the ag world as a teacher or superintendent?
1: Oh, absolutely, Jack, and I appreciate that question because I think the background that uh, I carry is very important to uh, the, the values that I um, try to live by today. I, I did grow up in in rural South Georgia, uh, a small farming town, uh, Nichols, Georgia, located in Coffee County. Um, at a very early age, like many youngsters uh, at that time, I I worked in the tobacco fields. Fortunately, when, as I grew up, my, my only objective was really to just graduate from high school and be a, uh, to, to work on the farm as a laborer. Uh, my, my mom and dad, they did not graduate from high school. My dad could read a little bit. My mom could write a little bit. Uh, but, you know, they, they really, uh, from my perspective my mom, she focused on making sure I had a great education uh, she helped me understand the difference between a vision and a mission. Her vision was to see me graduate from high school. Her mission was, on a daily basis was to have me in the mental set and, and do the things that would, would allow the teachers to help me get that education. Um, I was very determined that, that I'd have a strong work ethic, and that was very important. And, and both of those things were very important to me in my life. Uh, but, but you know, I, I did encounter some adversities, uh poverty. Uh, I was a very poor reader. Uh, I, I didn't have a model for higher education in my life, and, and I had some speech challenges growing up. Uh, I was introduced to the FFA in the seventh grade. Uh, I wanted to wear the FFA blue jacket because of the impressions that it had with my uncles. Uh, then we traded ag teachers in the 10th grade, and Mike Tanner was absolutely a very strong influencer in my life. Uh, he encouraged me to run for my first FFA office. Uh, the banquet that year, I did not receive any awards. And uh, at the end of the banquet, I told him, I said, hey, fear you're going to get tired of hearing my name. And that's uh, that's, that's where I, I really kicked off uh, my, my FFA uh, background and, and created my life mission to make the difference in the lives of students to the same degree my teacher made in my life. So from there, I went to Abac University of Georgia, received a bachelor's in education, started teaching in Hazelhurst. Uh, wanted to uh, question why some other states were doing better in FFA than Georgia was, and that's when I got into the leadership piece. Became the state FFA director. Ended up later being the state director of Career and Technical Education, in which we built a career pathway system that still stands today. And. And from there, I I just needed to be downsized and be a daddy, and uh, so I became a CTA director and built a college and career academy in Newton County, and uh, more recently, six years, been in Morgan County, where we've, uh, uh, like I said earlier, 3,000-student school system. Uh, Basically, worked through a reorganization of, of, uh, of our school system and master plan to 612 campus with the high school, college, and career academy. So very, very proud of all the experiences I had, but most proud of the difference that my ag teachers, uh, my teachers at Nichols High School and Nichols Elementary uh, made in my life and, and, and just very proud of that.
0: So you spoke of uh, becoming the, the FFA big uh, top dog at, at the Georgia FFA. And so how were you able to, to kind of get into that process? How were you able to get that job and, and become the leader there?
1: You know, Jack, one of the things I've I, I really tried to stay focused on is 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 doing a recheck of my life mission. And my life mission was created unknowingly, and I I, I, I sort of defined that a little bit more uh, concrete from a concrete standpoint of of just making my, my life mission is focused on making a difference in degree in the lives of students to degree that same degree that my teacher made in my life. I would tell you I did not set out to be the state FFA advisor. Uh, all I wanted to be was an ag teacher. So my challenge was that I felt like things could be better. And in, in making those questions, I was challenged by some colleagues, friends of mine, to say, hey, if you've got better ideas, you need to step up or need to shut up. And I know that's pretty blunt, but that's the way they said it. And so uh, I, I began thinking. Uh, Just positioning myself in leadership roles that eventually landed myself as the state FFA advisor. Very, very proud of of that time frame. uh, That I was state FFA advisor from the year 2000 through 2005. Felt like that we put a lot of focus on uh, creating some unique activities for kids that still exist today. Uh, It was our team. Our team that moved the state FFA convention from the FFA camp to Athens, which eventually got moved to Macon, to moving the participants from 800 or so to 5,000 now. It's very exciting. We created the governor's honors program for ag education. Uh, uh, That still stands today. i put a lot of emphasis on middle school development, which has really helped expand the FFA membership opportunities for kids in Georgia, and so those are some of the major initiatives that we put forth when I was state FFA advisor. But I think the clear point is, you know, even sitting here today, I never intended to be anything but an ag teacher. But, and, and i stayed involved in the education field just in different ways than I intended to be because I was, I was willing to put myself out there and encouraged by others to put myself out there to do some pretty unique things for kids.
0: And so you've had a, a pretty neat track record of kind of going from state advisor and then jumping to national advisor. So how was that almost transition from one level of FFA to really getting indulged in FFA and like, what exactly do you do as national advisor?
1: Well, you know, uh, uh it- when I left the state FFA advisor position in 2005, I, I went to be the state director for career and technical education to, to many of our listeners. I, they might compare that to vocational education. That might be their, their terminology that they would use. Um, and then, you know, back to the local system and then to a the local uh, superintendent. Um, I was not seeking the idea of being the national FFA advisor. There were some changes taking place in the organization that, I had sort of been displaced from because of the new positions that I was in. Uh, my kids were still very involved in both uh, FFA and 4-H. Uh, but, you know, it was one morning that I received a, a, or I actually answered a voice call from someone who said that this opportunity was available. I had been praying for some direction uh, in my life uh, as as to you know, being in education 33 years and was at the right time to get out, uh, within the next three weeks, I was selected in the, in the role of the national advisor. And that gave me the, the, uh, encouragement I needed to, to, to go ahead and retire from my current, uh, from, from my primary education career and move into, uh, the, the, move into that role as national FA advisor. So it was, it was an answer to prayer. It was, uh, very, something that was very divine and, and the way it came about, very organic in and, and making that transition. So uh, it's been a been a neat opportunity. I'm still serving as the school superintendent through the end of June. Uh, so, you know, one big role of this national FFA advisor is uh, chairman of the board of directors for national FFA. And so our job as a, as a board of director is to create policy, drive budget, provide leadership, uh, for National FFA and work with our staff in Indianapolis to deliver the types of programs and services that we would to the state uh, and, and local uh, FFA chapters and, and basically to the, to the members. So that's our primary role. The, the next piece of being National FFA advisor is, I think, being the spokesperson uh, of encouragement and support and uh, uh, to, to, to student members. And so I'll, I'll be making a, a presence at a lot of state FFA conventions, maybe more than I was thinking initially because we we have taken uh, quite a few FFA conventions have been halted, postponed, canceled as a result of uh, uh, the coronavirus uh, epi- pandemic that uh, our, our country is facing. And so with that, you know, I, I may have the opportunity engage with even more FFA members through uh, state conventions that may be held virtually. So that's the primary role of the national FFA advisor. I also have the Title education director and and still working through what that really means because I'm not an employee of the U S department of education like previous people were. Uh, Actually, this is a non-paid position. Uh, So, you know, this is an opportunity for me to serve an organization and to give back uh, as my wife said, brings me back to the why, my life mission, the why uh, I got in education to begin with.
0: You talked about some of those policies as national advisor. What are one po- What's one policy or a number of policies that you would like to see put in action as national FFA advisor, whether that be throughout the country or policies in general of changing uh, FFA?
1: Well, you know, I I, I made a commitment in my interview uh, because I have been displaced from uh, FFA for some number of years. Uh, And and, and my commitment in the interview was that I was going to take a period of time to uh, step back, learn. And when I say learn, I need to, to learn what programs are in place. I need to learn what policies are in place. I need to learn the current practices, procedures, and and just step back and 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 and, and do some evaluation, and uh, and then then provide some direction for leadership. So if you ask me a specific policy today, uh, I'm interested in, in changing. I don't have one currently today. I'm just right now in that period of of. Uh, a, a focus on uh, learning the programs or processes that are currently in place, and seeing what difference I need to make there.
0: And you spoke a little bit about um, the COVID nineteen pandemic coming in uh, to America and really having a toll and effect on FFA. Uh, I don't know how often it's been uh, mentioned at uh, the FFA. I, I'm sure you you've heard it, and it's come across. Your mind a lot. So, how exactly is National FFA responding to COVID nineteen uh, in terms of you know policies and day to day?
1: Absolutely, it's it's, it's may had a major impact, and and of course myself along with the uh, CEO of FFA who is Mark Peschel, uh, stay in uh, constant contact with each other immediately. The National FFA staff, put in a, a tiered uh, plan, or uh, uh, transitioning into different stages uh, relative to you know our what, what we would be you know how we would be responding to guidance from uh, uh, state and federal levels there in Indiana as well as on the federal level and so uh, mark put together a great miss Peschel put together a great plan with the staff uh, a three-tiered uh, approach to that and and within that, uh, We've actually now closed down the headquarters for FFA and uh, have people working remotely. As I say, we're working differently, just uh, different than normal. Uh, Also, in in reflection of that, a lot of states have been impacted with conventions canceled, uh, regional state FFA activities, competitions being canceled, so a couple uh, two weeks ago, the Board of Directors for National FFA met, and we approved three motions. Uh, motion number one dealt with supporting states and, and how they uh, deliver uh, virtual uh, conventions. Uh, uh, and, and just knowing that things have to be done differently, and how can national FFA staff and leadership support those states and helping them understand that. Number two is is looking at some of the deadlines for applications and and workshop uh, applications that may you know Washington Leadership Conference that will be uh, happening this summer and and knowing that we've got to be flexible with some states on those things and then number three was just a a, a a basically a support motion to say hey we're here to encourage and support you and help you and we've got to figure out how we can make this happen so I'm very very proud of the profession. There's been a series of conference calls this week with every, uh, with leaders in every state uh, in the nation and identifying ways to re-deliver, development events, re-deliver leadership development events, you know, how do we deliver um, uh, state conventions, how do we lead differently as, as leaders in this time. So those are things we supported thus far. Don't know that we have all the answers, but but we're, we're working with states to, to to support them and help them in that.
0: You sound really professional talking about all this, but I, I have to ask: Has it been a little overwhelming having to take on so much of this responsibility and leadership? And you know, obviously being chairman of the board and you're taking on a lot more responsibilities. Has it been overwhelming? And you know, how are you dealing with that? Are you um, trying to time manage better, you know, uh, talk a little bit about that.
1: I don't know that overwhelming would be uh, uh, a word that I would use in, in this time. I think really, really challenged. Um, you know, I'm running, I'm serving as a CEO uh, for a 3,000 student, uh, 480 member staff staff uh, uh, school system and serving as a, the, the, the National FFA Advisor. I am very proud of the leadership that National FFA staff has provided this time. They, they've they worked together in the plan. They've communicated with me. We've kept the board of directors uh, in, in, in direct communication with changes that are taking place. We've been there to help states. So there's been a lot of people, and that's what I really appreciate about these types of times that we may go through as a country, there's a lot of people who are stretching themselves to do more differently than than they have in the past. I think, you know, personally Mm -hmm. speaking, uh, I was trying to guess or project what would happen next. Uh, I mentally ran out of energy to keep doing that. So earlier in the week, I just said, you know, I'm going to quit. I'm going to stop that. I'm not going to try to outguess this anymore, how we really work differently and support each other and build climates and cultures that are encouraging and supportive. And that's what I've done this week that has probably given me more peace, uh, more comfort uh, in these challenging times. And so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a great opportunity to learn differently. It's a great opportunity to stretch ourselves. It's a great opportunity to see what technologies exist. Uh, that we did, that we weren't prepared to enter into, but this gave us an opportunity to do
0: that. We talked about the coronavirus, and I'm sure that's obviously one of the more challenging things to try to overcome. What would you say that we as FFA members could do to help in that effort um, in the the fight against the coronavirus?
1: You know, that's a great question. I appreciate that question very much. Uh, FFA members are, are known for their leadership skills. Uh, Students really appreciate the voice of, of, uh, of other students. I feel like it's a great opportunity for those voices to be heard. I think it's a great opportunity for us to understand, uh, for you to understand as young FFA members that you, you do have a voice. You, do, you can provide encouragement. You can provide uh, a motivation uh, for doing things differently so that we can get the norm uh, a little quicker and so my, my challenge would be you know number one we need to wash our hands number number two social distancing and 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 i heard the terminology that's a little bit different last night maybe it's not as much social distancing as it is physical distancing because our our, our social well-being emotional well-being is our emotional well-being is really connected to our social connectivity Uh, But I would really encourage a strong student message to our young people. You know, share the message that our norm will be different if we don't take this as seriously as we need to, and that we we may uh, not have some of the activities that we're accustomed to having, and in that we need to be really supportive of our leaders who are adapting and creating new ways of Engaging us, and, and and you know, if we have to have a virtual state convention, we need to figure out how we can be as engaging and and, and share uh, experience with the other FFA members that encourage them to
0: be engaging. That's a great actually point to bring up about virtual state conventions. What would that actually look like a virtual state convention? I know you're you're uh, the national advisor, and you might not know the the really specifics on state uh, virtual state conventions, but I don't know if you've had any meetings about virtual state conventions and kind of talk about what that might look like.
1: It, it could look differently in in um, in every state. I think uh, well, number one, what I know is that there was a conference call with all with with most state uh, directors slash uh, executive secretaries earlier in the week. Just just talked about how do you deliver that, you know, whether some of the leadership workshops that would occur. There's a lot of other technologies that could help us deliver uh, career development events. Uh, how would we maintain uh, ability of of of, of giving tests that would typically be given at a state convention. How do we create excitement for having a guest, maybe even having comments from the national FFA advisor? So I don't know that I could tell you all the specifics on what what could be done, but I know that states are, and and Colorado, I think, has already had a virtual state convention, uh, and I can't recall off the top of my head how they did that there's some platforms that are, or states are using to, to, to be able to try to work through that as some conventions are getting uh, canceled and others are being postponed uh, with the hopes of having something physical later on, but knowing that that might not be a possibility. So a lot of people are working together to, to, to determine those uh, types of uh, uh, virtual type conventions.
0: And so now you have really kickstarted your years as as national advisor, and you've you know been been handed with uh, a lot of challenges such as the coronavirus. So, what specifically would you hope to accomplish in your years as the national advisor?
1: You know, we we're we're at seven hundred thousand plus FFA members in the nation. Uh, we're we're coming up on the 100th anniversary of the national FFA organization in, in basically eight years. Uh, I think even the, the coronavirus situation that we've had in our country may help us determine ways that we could expand our membership base and, and, and focus on the idea of having 100, one million members by the time we hit the year 2028. Uh, You know That's important to know that we're had the opportunity to make that much more difference uh, in the lives of young people uh, in in terms of numbers. But I would also want us to focus on not only the, the numbers of the members, but looking through their engagement into the organization. So even this, this issue that we have as a country now may help us understand ways that we can help uh, young people people be even more engaged in the organization. So my focus would be, you know, growing our membership, uh, but more importantly, growing the engagement of those members through our three circle model of, of strong classroom instruction of, of a good supervised agricultural experience, as well as uh, leadership and career development through FFA
0: you know obviously over here at Georgia we're really excited to see what all you were going to do Dr Woodard in your years as national advisor and thank you so much for being here Dr Woodard it's been a real treat to have you on and we hope to talk to you soon
1: thank you Jack and I really appreciate the opportunity to be interviewed today and I would just encourage us during this time to know that we have a lot of adult leaders I mean a lot of adult leaders really focused on caring for young people and caring for uh, creating opportunities that continue the great excellence of of work and the excellence of work that we've done through FFA for for almost a century.
0: Absolutely. And that's another episode of the Straws that Stir the Drinks in the bag. We hope you enjoyed, as always. Communicate with us via Instagram at Straws that Stir the Drinks and consider subscribing, as always. And look out for the next episode soon. Thanks for listening.